Welcome to the Honest Art Podcast. I'm your host, Jody King. As an artist for 20 years, instructor, speaker, author, and fellow rebel, I've worked with thousands of people around the world, from beginners to established artists, helping them create their strongest art and build a career doing what they love. So if you are ready to have a little fun while you learn about art, creativity, building a thriving art business, and living a bold, audacious life, you are in the right place. Also, if you're considering going pro in your art business, grab the PDF in the show notes on the five things they don't teach you in art school. All right, let's get messy. When I first started painting, I was just in it for a good time. Honestly, that's it. It sounded like something really fun to do. It felt like something really fun to do. And it was a great hobby for me to do after like dinner was cleaned up or when I first started, I had young daughters at the time. So it just felt like something really relaxing to do after I put my daughters to bed. It was like my me time that I was craving. And honestly, it just seemed healthier, like a less boring thing to do at night rather than sitting on the couch watching TV. So that's what I did. But after I'd been painting a while, even maybe just a few months, I began to notice something was happening within myself. It was, it was good. I mean, it was really good, but it was unexpected. There was a difference, like a difference in me. And maybe you've noticed this within yourself as well. I suspect that you have because I hear from many of you confirming this all the time. In fact, just a few days ago, I received a DM from an artist who said she had only been painting about a year ago, but she felt like, and I'm going to quote her on this quote, she had literally altered the DNA of her soul. So I know that y'all know what I'm talking about. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's podcast because it's so incredibly important. Uh, we're going to get into a little more in depth about it and talk about how and why art can serve as a healer because there's real, like real, real research and scientific evidence to back this up. So by the end of this episode, my hope is that you're going to be even more convinced than ever of the importance of the work that you do in the world and the importance of using your time in your own creative pursuits. So are you ready for this? Because I sure am. Let's get messy. So I've got great news. Art can act as a healer regardless and in spite of if all you can do is draw a stick figure. So that's great news, right? Because the quality of the art doesn't matter nearly as much as the process itself. You can literally make nothing but fugly ass art all day, every day, and you're still going to get the benefits of making art. In fact, there was a study done at Drexel University that found that making art, like any art, for as little as 45 minutes reduces the stress hormone cortisol 
and it didn't matter the level of skill or experience. In fact, over the last two decades, there have been thousands of studies researching the effects of art, which I love because it's not only for the makers, as it turns out, it's also for the observers. And the research has all concluded in various ways that art improves our psychological states. But you may be thinking, because I know this happens to me too, you may be thinking, you know, my life is crazy busy. I rarely have time to create. Um, Maybe you've got a full-time job. Um, Maybe it's like I'm going through a, a breakup or you know, I'm raising kids or I'm taking care of sick parents. I mean, really, it could be anything. Life, life is just fucking hard sometimes. And it can be really hard to find time to paint or to draw or to write or garden or knit or whatever it might be. But it's not frivolous. It's absolutely not frivolous. And there was a breakthrough study done in 2020 by the University College of London that found that people who participated in art activities more than once a week, uh, y'all, that's not a lot, okay, just more than once a week, and who attended cultural events only twice a year, again, that's not a lot, they had significantly higher life satisfaction than those who did not. And this, by the way, was the same across all socioeconomic levels. So, and I can just tell you um, from my own experience and that I'm not exaggerating when I say this, that creating art has saved my life. Whether it was writing, um, I'd wrote a lot when I was younger, I write a lot now. So whether it was writing or dancing, again, I danced a lot when I was younger, or it's painting like I mostly do now, art has helped me heal in ways that are literally immeasurable. Like many of you, life started out pretty sucky for me. And there have been a variety of traumas that continued along the way. And those have been both little T traumas, such as being cheated on by my high school boyfriend, who's an asshole, and I hope he's listening to this, <laughs> as well as big T traumas from childhood, like sexual abuse and abandonment. I don't think any of us escapes our lives without significant challenges and traumas. But what I've learned from my own art practice and from subsequently studying this, because I think it's fascinating, what I've learned is that it's not the trauma or even the emotions that result from them that are the problem. The problem is that emotions get stuck within our bodies. You see, emotions have a three-part cycle. And this is according to a book by sisters Emily Nagoski, who's a PhD, and her sister Amelia Nagoski, who has a DMA. And the book is called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And their research shows that The three parts of the stress cycle are, number one, the event or the thing that causes the stress. And then step number two is the emotions of that stress 
are now stuck in our bodies. And number three, moving those emotions through and out of our bodies. But what if we mistakenly think that the thing, the stressor, what if we think that that is the problem? But it's not because stress isn't a feeling or an emotion. It's actually a physiological response to our emotions. So we think it's the breakup or the family member who doesn't support us or the child who did the thing, but it's not. It's not the stressor. It's the fact that we feel some kind of a way about what happened. And now that feeling is stuck in our bodies. So therefore, it would be obvious to assume that we need something. Ready? We need something to help us facilitate how to move those emotions through us. Enter, and you guessed it, creating art. So in a sec, I'm going to share with you ways that we can use art as a healer for ourselves. But before I do, I want to point out the obvious. A large portion of the world is simply stressed the fuck out. And who can blame us? Because unless you're living under a rock, you're bombarded with negative, even devastating news on the daily. According to the World Health Organization, globally, nearly 1 billion people, that's billion with a B, nearly 1 billion people struggle with their mental health. Now, this has a devastating impact because as we know, mental health issues don't stop there. They can lead to physical health issues as well. So for the first time since these statistics have been collected, mental illness is increasing at a faster rate than physical disease. Isn't that just, that's just heartbreaking. But you know what? That's just the bad news. The good news is there is something that we can do about it. And if you're an artist, we actually have an advantage. And even if you don't define yourself as an artist, we're all creatives. Every one of us were born creative from the creator. So what can we do about all of the stress and emotions associated with it? The simplest way I can put it is this, get your ass to your art, like for real. Life isn't playing with us, y'all. This isn't a dress rehearsal. We have to stop thinking about our creativity as a luxury and start treating it as a necessity, especially now, now that we have a better understanding of its full, important, beautiful impact that it can have in our lives. But what is it that's really keeping us from our creativity? Like, like for real, for real, because We often say we don't have enough time, but for me, I have a busy schedule, but I make time for what's important. And it reminds me of like when I was in college 
And it's like, I don't have time to do this. I have to study. I have too much work. I can't do this. I've got to go to class. I can't, you know, I can't go out, What you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden this cute boy comes along and, you know, you find a way to make time, you know, for that person. So this is the same thing. We can find a way to make time, but the only reason that we don't make time, if we use that example, is that we either don't believe that it's important or there's some level of fear or resistance to the creating. Okay. So we say, I'm just going to reiterate this. We say, well, we don't have time for our creativity. We don't have time. We don't have time. Well, the reason we're saying we don't have time is because we're, we don't believe it's really that important or there's some resistance or fear associated with this. So that fear can often be from thinking that we have to create something beautiful or it could be the fear that we're going to, you know, mess something up or do something wrong um, and then other people will see it or it could be the fear of looking stupid or and this was what happened for me for a long time is I didn't think I was creative because of comments from an art teacher in third grade. And um, Brene Brown calls these art scars. She is quoted as saying that 85% of men and women she interviewed remembered something so shaming that happened in school that it forever altered how they thought of themselves as learners. And for 50% of those people, the shaming experience was around creativity. How about that? So how, how can we use art to heal? Again, the easiest way, and to put it simply, is show the hell up otherwise known as ass and chair. That is where it all starts. We don't have to make it some elaborate experience at all. You can actually simply draw circles and shapes and color or paint those shapes in. And that experience alone of just drawing shapes, coloring shapes, painting shapes, that alone has shown similar neurological benefits to that of meditation. So if you're a writer, write, write shit. If you're a paint, sorry, you're not a paint. <laughs> sorry. If you're a painter, paint shit, but paint, commit to the process of it. Okay. Not to the final product, just commit to the process. You know, five years ago, when I was going through a devastating divorce, I could barely get out of bed. I had stopped caring about eating or showering um, and even briefly living. I was in deep, deep grief. And eventually, though, I did get out of bed. And when I did, I turned to my journal. I wrote everything I was feeling. It was jumbled up and nonsensical. It was a mess. 
but it helped me sort through the moment by moment whiplash of emotions that I was experiencing. You know, these are whiplash emotions of anger that then, you know, loss and then shame and then fear and then sadness and then elation. I mean, you name it, it's all over the place and it doesn't make sense at all. But then it didn't take long for me to realize that I needed to drag my ass to the easel and take those emotions out onto the canvas. And what resulted was what I refer to now as honest art. It was the most honest I had ever been in my art. Before that, I had mostly concentrated on making visually appealing paintings. And they were fine. They were. They were, they were fine. But looking back by comparison, they lacked the energy of the work that was pouring out of me after that time. You know, they lacked the energy of what I was now doing. In fact, the collection that came out of that time of my life with all of that honest, raw art, that collection was what garnered me my first solo show. So many of you are familiar with Rick Rubin. You guys know who I'm talking about. He released a book recently that I freaking love. It's called The Creative Act. I highly recommend it. But anyway, he's also the famous music producer who's worked with musical artists from Johnny Cash to Mick Jagger and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Jay-Z and Brandy Carlisle. And literally the list goes on. It's, it's, he's so incredibly talented. But the guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to creativity. And Rick Rubin said, our art should be almost like a diary. It turns out that when you're making something truly for yourself, you're actually making the best possible art for your audience. So that, you guys, that. Making honest art not only heals us, but it also has the ability to heal others, especially when we're honest. Imagine that. Imagine having that much power to heal yourself and to heal others. But if that feels too daunting, remember that the research shows that any art can be healing. Any Art making that we show up to do can be healing. It doesn't have to be angsty or angry or sad even to have beneficial effects. But honest art, yo, expressing your truth in whatever way you need to, painting, writing, music, whatever, honest art, that takes healing to an entirely new level. It's like a booster rocket for not only great art, but also our deepest healing. Now, before I go, I want to remind you of one other thing that Brene Brown reported about her research on creativity. She said, and I quote, unused creativity is not benign. It does not dissipate. Instead, it metastasizes. Unused creativity turns into rage, grief, shame, 
and judgment. So let's end that right now. What do you say? Let's commit ourselves again, or maybe for the first time, to a deeper level expression than ever before of our own creativity. We have the power to heal ourselves and maybe even the world. If you'd like more information on getting into that creative flow through some of my favorite practices, head to episode 38. I think the title is five things to enhance your art sales and creativity. And those are just my favorite things that I do to uh, get in that creative flow to create my own honest arts. And then lastly, if you enjoy this podcast and it's helped you in any way, please subscribe so that you can get notifications when uh, the podcast drop each week. Um, And then also it would mean so much to me if you could give it a five-star review and rate it. And that is helpful because it helps other people find the podcast if they're interested in this sort of thing. And um, yeah, it just gets the word out there a little bit more. But you know what? If you're not thinking it's a five-star review, don't even worry about it. Just kind of keep that to yourself. (laughs) But as always, thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys so much. Take good care of yourselves and each other. Peace out. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.